Good to see you, 1045. Hope you're feeling good, enjoying this beautiful day. Some of the nice weather we've had last few days has been kind of good. Hey, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. As you turn there, a couple things I want to make you aware of. Uh, one is next steps is tonight. And if you're new to the church, or maybe you've been coming to a new song for a little bit, but you've never gone to a next steps class, I want to encourage you to come out tonight and check that out. Through next steps, uh, we help you to get connected in this church. And I believe this, and I really do believe this with all my heart, next steps will change your life. And the reason I can, I can say that and I believe that is because it's through next steps that you can get planted and connected in this church. The Bible says those who are connected in the house of the Lord will flourish. That flourish there means they'll produce fruit. And we want that for you. And we know how important it is for, to, for you to produce that fruit God's called you to produce that you're connected in this house like God's called you to. So I want to encourage you to come out tonight. Be a part of that with us. Uh, we'll have food for you. If you have kids, we'll, we'll, we have child care for them. We have food for them. So we've taken care of everything. You just have to show up. So uh, you can register on newsongpeople.com slash next. You can register through the app. And you can also sign up in the lobby today. So whatever it is, I want to make sure you do that today. Also, this week we had kind of a neat thing. You may have seen this on the news, but we actually were a part of... Of, uh, of helping this organization called Sunbeam. Many of you brought shoes and, 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 and helped us with that. Well, we ended up giving out 100 pairs of shoes and 100 school uniforms to Sunbeam this week, which is really cool. Sunbeam, what they do is uh, it's grandparents who are helping, uh, the, who are foster, doing foster care for their grandchildren. And so sometimes they don't get some of the benefits that a normal foster parent would. So we wanted to come along beside them and partner with them. It was a really cool thing that went down. And so for all of you who gave towards that, and for all of you who are giving tithing members of this church to you, I say thank you. It's because of your giving that we're able to do stuff like that. So give yourself a hand this morning. Thank you for that. And then I want to go ahead and would you help me welcome our online audience right now, all of you watching on YouTube right now. Thanks for tuning in with us. We're so glad to have you here with us. Philippians chapter two. Okay, so we're going to do something kind of different. We've never done this before at New Song Church, but for the next four weeks, um, we're not doing a series. We're calling it an unseries. We're not doing a series. What we're going to do is for four weeks, I am just going to go to the Lord every week and ask him what to preach. And then I'm going to come preach what he tells me to preach. And then uh, in September, we're going to jump into a new series, but I'm excited about this. God's already been unpacking some stuff for me. I think it's going to be really cool. So make sure you're here over the next four weeks as we, we kind of go through this. And so as we jump into this, this morning, here's what I want you to understand. God is in the remodeling business. God's in the remodeling business. He wants to take your life, no matter where you find yourself today, whether you're brand new to the things of God, whether you've been a Christian for a long time, whether you're just here kind of checking this thing out this morning, I want you to know God is in the remodeling business and he wants to remodel your life and, and make it into something that is beautiful and something that is valuable to you, to the people around you, to the world around you. God wants to do that in your life. Uh, when Sarah and I first got married, we had it in our heart that we wanted to, to buy a house right from the beginning. We didn't want to have an apartment. We didn't want to live in a condo. We wanted to buy a house. We just had this desire in us. I know now it was the Holy Spirit putting that in us, but so we wanted to buy a house. Now, here's the thing. When you're just getting started in life, young like we were, we were very young, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of money. 
And so there was no like, hey, let's find our dream house. Like, no, no, no. We understood early on this was not going to be our dream house. We were going to need to find a fixer-upper. So we started looking. And to be honest with you, I remember that first day we got done looking at houses. We came home and kind of sat down in my parents' house who we're looking at a young married couple. We're looking at their house that they've been married for 35 plus years in their house. And we're kind of going, how do we get here? Because what we just looked at today was depressing. <laughs> but eventually, we kind of got a vision for this thing. And we found this little house that had been built in 1950. And we fell in love with it. Now, what's funny is looking back, I can't believe we bought this house. It was not, it was not a good house. <laughs> it had a lot of problems. Like, it was built in 1950. And I think every decade, somebody had had done some remodeling within it. So like our, our cabinets looked like they were out of the house that Napoleon Dynamite grew up in. We, there was layers, like five layers of wallpaper in our kitchen from every decade. Like you could go, okay, there's the 80s wallpaper and there's the 70s wallpaper and there's the 60s wall. Like it was crazy. But we fell in love with this house and we both could see this house turning into a home. Like we, there was a vision we had for it. And so we thought, we're going to buy it and we're going to fix it up. You know, we'd seen, we saw some of those shows on TV. They had those then. So we thought, we, we got this. And so we bought the home and we started converting it from a house into a home. And, and I remember thinking, this, this is going to be easy. Well, it was not. And I got started in this and it really quickly learned that I was in well over my head. Uh, in fact, Sarah helped me understand, you are in way over your head on this. And, uh, and so I wanted the work to be done, though. I could see the potential, but I, I just couldn't do it myself. So I had a buddy, a friend of mine, a guy, some of you know him. His name is Brandon Anderson. He's right over here. Brandon's now part of New Song Church. He moved his family here to be a part of our church. And he does this for a living. In fact, if you're needing some remodeling, go talk to Brandon after service. He's got on a purple shirt, and he's, he's a good guy at this. So, so I called him up. He's a friend of mine. I said, hey, come on over and check this out. We're wanting to do some work in our house and I can't do it, like come look at it. So he came over and he started walking through and I told him what we were wanting to do and he looked at it and I told him, hey, I'd like to help because I wanna learn how to do this. And so we talked it through and we came to terms and came to a place of agreement and, and we began this process. And what I, want, what I want to do today is I want to kind of talk you through kind of looking at this process and looking at what God wants to do in you. In fact, I've got seven things for you this morning, seven important message because it's God's number of seven, right? So it's got to be seven. Seven things that you need to do in order to receive the remodel job that God wants to do in your life, all right? So here's the first one. Here's where it started with us. You've got to recognize work needs to be done. If you have arrived this morning in life, if you are completely like you're done and that's you, go ahead and put your hand up this morning. No hands go up. There actually a hand went up in first service. I was like, let me clarify this a little bit better. And then it went down. Because none of us have arrived, right? Like we all recognize there's, there's some work that needs to be done. And in fact, that's what Philippians 2 verse 12 talks about. It says, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Look at this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. I want you to understand something this morning. And this is important. Salvation is a process. Salvation is a process. Some of you have been aggravated and frustrated with God because you didn't know that. 
You thought salvation was a hand raised in a service and you're good. And listen, that's a part of it. That it's, a, it's a step in it, but, but the salvation thing is actually a process. And God says it's something that we gotta work out. It's something that we are a part of. Now let me break this down for you, okay? You were created in the image of God. And so the image you were created in is that of a triune being. You have a spirit, a soul, and a body that you're made up of, all right? So here's how it works. The day that you invite Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, on that day, you receive a new spirit, and the process begins. God takes you from not bad to good, but from death to life. You were dead in your sins. Your spirit was dead, and Jesus made you alive. You receive a brand new, born again is what the Bible calls spirit. All of your sins are forgiven. Your past is forgotten by God, and you're made alive in Christ. God brings salvation. He remodels you in the spirit. And now you can have eternal life with God in heaven for eternity. Someday you're going to receive a new body. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and I don't know about you. Maybe if you're in your 20s today or you're younger than that, you may not really care about this. But the older I get, the more excited I get on this project of, man, I get to get a new body. I've reached the point. I'll be 40 this year. 40, people. It's old. feels old. Some of you are like, dude, you're a spring chicken. I don't feel like it sometimes. I've reached the point in life where... I'll wake up and I will have injured myself in my sleep. I don't know what happened. I went to bed, felt good. As far as I know, Sarah didn't beat me in my sleep. But I wake up and stuff's wrong. Like think something went wrong. <laughs> yeah, a couple of months ago, this is awesome. I sneezed and threw my back out. I didn't even tell you this. I didn't want you to know. I was like, yeah, I heard it working out. No, no, I sneezed. For like two days, I'm... <laughs> from a sneeze. So yeah, I'm a little bit excited about the new body thing. That's going to be great. How many of you are looking forward to a glorified body? Some of us have never even experienced the body that we're going to have someday. It's going to be amazing, but we're going to get this new glorified body. Okay. So beginning new spirit and new body, but remember we are spirit, soul, and body, right? So there's this part in the middle, your, your soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind is your thinking, your thoughts, how you think. Your will is what you want to do and what you don't want to do. And your emotions are how you feel. Now, how many of you would, would say with me, hey, Pastor Josh, when I got saved, when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, I still had some thoughts that needed some work. I still had some emotions that needed some work. I still had a will to sometimes want to do things my way and it needed some work. How I many you know, we don't just arrive just because you pray a prayer, raise your hand and say, it ain't over. The process begins, but there's a work. And this is the part I'm talking about. God wants to work this out. And where, where the majority of this working out God wants to do takes place is in your mind. Because see, here's how, how your mind works. Uh, your mind, where your mind goes, your, your life goes. Your life is going in the direction of your mind. I, I can't do something I didn't think first, and neither can you. So the good news is we get our mind going in the right direction, in a godly direction, and our life's going to be going in the right direction, in a godly direction. But if our life is going in the wrong direction, then it's going to lead us to the wrong life. You guys tracking with me? So we got, we got to work on this. Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. 
So our thoughts, our soul can get off. In fact, the Bible says this in, in Hebrews 4, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is one of the ways we, we renew our mind is what the Bible talks about. It says, and piercing to the division of your soul and your spirit. Notice the soul and the spirit can be divided. They can be in opposition. Sometimes what your soul wants to do, what your, what your thoughts are, what your thought patterns are, what your will wants to do, what your emotions want to do, is sinful and wrong. <laughs> and so we got to get this part worked out. And God wants to, is inviting us to do that. He wants to help you with that. But it, but it all begins by us just having a recognition that, hey, there's some work that needs to be done. There's some things, there's a life that God's called you to. And you've seen it in the word. And some of you have been frustrated because you're not experiencing it. But part of it is you haven't really recognized it and taken ownership of there's a something that has to be done in me. And I have to invite God into this. So here's number two. First, it starts, you got to recognize that work needs to be done. Second, you need to understand the scope of the work. I remember after I invited Brandon into our house and we started this project of remodeling, I knew what, how we wanted it to look. I had an idea of what it could, it could look like. What I didn't know was what was wrong with the house that was going to keep us from having that happen. See, Brandon came in and since he was an expert in this, he showed me things that I didn't know that were wrong with the house that if I didn't get those things fixed, we couldn't do a remodel. Like for example, in our bathroom, from one corner of the bathroom to the other, there was like a two inch drop. So if you drop a marble on one side, it's gonna roll to the other. The, the floor, the joists were messed up, the subfloor was messed up, and that had to be fixed. Uh, there was electrical wiring, live electrical wiring in the walls, uncapped from the 1950s that was just sitting in the walls. Could have burned the house down at any moment. Just there. So as we started digging into this thing, I remember thinking, boy, can we even do this? Is this possible? Have we bought a lemon of a house? Like, and maybe that's where you find yourself today. You, you know you. You know some of the stuff that's kind of hidden. You know some of the messes. You know what you do. You know what you think. You know what you feel. And maybe sometimes you look at your life and you go, I, I don't know if this is really possible. I don't know if, I, I, I see what the word says, but I just don't know if this can actually take place. And, or, or maybe you think this, maybe that can take place, but it sounds like it's going to be really hard. I mean, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, like that does not sound fun, right? And part of the problem is we don't really understand what that means. I, I, I read that and I'm kind of like, there's some visuals I get of like, you know, going to the gym and working out. And I, some of you are psycho, you like going to the gym. I don't, I'll do it, but I don't really enjoy it. Like straining and pushing and running and going nowhere, ugh. And, and that's how we think about this walk with God. Like we gotta get on the Peloton bike of, of, of forever and, and pedal our way through and work really hard. And while we're doing it, we're also hoping that God doesn't blast us with a lightning bolt. We're trembling in the fetal position. God, I try and hopefully this will be pleasing to you. Listen, if that's what you think, let me just tell you something. That ain't gospel. That's what's wrong with that. That's not good news. That's what gospel is, right? You know that. Gospel means good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Jesus said it like this in, uh, wait a minute, wrong verse. Luke 4.43, he says, I must proclaim the good news. He, he says, this is why I was sent. Jesus came to bring good news to you. So listen, if it ain't good, God ain't done. Some of you need to hear that this morning. If it ain't good yet, God ain't done yet. 
That ain't good English, but it's good theology. God's going to complete this work in you, and he's got a good uh, plans that are good for you. He wants to bring fullness of joy to you. That's what God wants to bring to you. So, so what are we missing then? Well, on this verse in particular, some of these words, what they say is not really exactly what they mean. Like, for example, the word fear in this verse doesn't mean fear like in terror. It means reverence. The word trembling in this verse doesn't mean like the fetal position. It means a healthy respect for not offending God through disobedience. Okay, so if you take those meanings and you plug them into this verse, and I've done this for you today. Here's the, the Josh Blunt translation of this verse, the JB translation, Philippians 2.12. Work out your own salvation with a reverence for God and a healthy respect for not offending a holy God with unholy living. Doesn't sound as terrifying now, does it? Sounds a lot more doable. But maybe you still say, well, yeah, but it still says work out. And that's work out. That's like work. Well, let's look at it again. Go back to the other translation. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, notice that. Go back to it, guys. Go back, go back. Well, notice that last little part there. What is that? That last thing after trembling. What is that? Semicolon. What is a semicolon? Remember back in English when you were a kid? Semicolon is a pause. Semicolon means that the thought is not complete. So this verse is connected to the next verse. So let's see what the next verse says. Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. For it is God who works. Okay, so check this out. It says that we do the work, and then it says that God does the work. So which is it? Yes. <laughs> it's both. God wants to do the work with you. See, here's the thing. The work that God wants to do in you the work that God wants to do through you, he wants to do in partnership with you. He wants to come alongside you and help you do this. He wants to walk with you as you do this and help you to make sure it, it gets accomplished. And this idea is all through scripture. God always, always, always works with people. That's how he does things. I think of stories like, like Moses in the Bible. You remember Moses? He's, he's in the wilderness one day and he comes across this burning bush and it's God talking through this burning bush. And the, the children of Israel are in Egypt and they're in captivity. They've been in captivity for 400 years. It's a bad situation. And God starts telling him, I'm gonna free these people. And he tells him all this incredible stuff he's gonna do. And then he says, and I'm gonna use you to do it. And Moses is like, whoa, that all sounded good until you brought me into it. I, I can't do this. He starts giving all the excuses for why he can't do it. But, but at the end of the day, we know the story. Moses was involved, but Moses didn't really free the children of Israel. God did it. God caused the plagues to take place. God's the one that parted the Red Sea and caused it to crash down on the Egyptians chasing after them. God's the one that led them by cloud by day and a fire by night. That was God. Sure, Moses was involved. He was used because God needed somebody to be his representative, but, but God's the one that did the work. And I want you to understand today, there's some work that God wants to do in you, but he's not leaving you to do it on your own. He wants to help you with it. He wants to partner, partner with you in it. And sure, it's a big project, but he's gonna be right there with you every step of the way. Just like when Brandon was showing me the work that needed to be done, it was a little intimidating, but he was there to go, hey, we got this. We can take care of this. And he brought his expertise and wisdom and skill to it so that it was able to be done. God wants to do the same thing in you. The Bible says this in Isaiah 41 verse 10. It says, fear not for I am with you. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God is with you. 
So quit being so afraid. Do not be afraid. I'm, I am your God. God's a personal God for you. I will give you strength, and I love this, and for sure I will help you. I love that. Of course I'm gonna help you. I'm with you in this. He says, yes, I will hold, I, I will hold you up with my right hand and my right, that is right and good. Okay, so recognize there's work that needs to be done, but also understand the scope of the work. It's a big project, but God's gonna be right in the middle of this project with you. And that leads me to our, our third point. You gotta give God access to the job site. You gotta welcome God in. You know, Brandon didn't start working on my house until I invited him into the project. He didn't just show up one day and start working. And, and, and that's how God is too. God is a gentleman. He doesn't go where he's not invited. He is an invite-only God. So if you want him in your life, you have to invite him in. And listen, you want him in your life. Because this mess that we find some of ourselves in, this, this remodeling project that, that's in front of us, you can't do it on your own. You can't fix you. You can't clean up your mess. In fact, I, I wanna really illustrate this so you get it this morning. So I enlisted the help of a buddy of mine to kind of help me make this point. So check out this video. today with one of my main dudes. This is Mr. Abel Terry. Abel is the son of David Terry, who's our worship pastor, and his wife, Kaylee. And Abel loves to eat food, don't you, Bob? Yeah. He likes to eat some food. So we're going to give him this little bowl of spaghetti here and see what kind of damage he can do with it. Sound good to you, bro? All right. Go to town. All right, Abel, we can see you've made a pretty good mess of yourself. So obviously you can't, you know, live the rest of your life this way. So you're going to need to clean up your act a little bit, buddy. So I got a paper towel for you here. Why don't you go ahead and, uh, and start cleaning yourself up a little bit. Go ahead, bud. You're not, yeah, you're not doing a very good job. Let's, let's put some effort into it. Now, obviously, Abel can't clean himself up. It doesn't matter uh, how much time I give him. It doesn't matter what kind of cleaning supplies I give him. He cannot clean up the mess. He, he can't get the sauce off of his face. He can't get the stains out of his clothes. Why? Because it's beyond his ability to clean up this mess. In order for him to get clean, he needs an outside force to come along. He needs outside help. He needs someone stronger, someone wiser, someone more skilled than him to come in and clean up the mess. Now this is a picture of you and I with Jesus. When we come to Jesus and get saved, our sins are forgiven. Our soul still needs to be remodeled. Sometimes our soul kind of looks like this. It's a mess. And the work it takes to remodel our soul is a work that we participate in, in partnership with Jesus. We give him access and allow him to show us what to do and how to do it while he is actually the one coming alongside and doing it. Sure, we need to grow up and mature in Christ, and we're able to do more as we mature in Jesus, but ultimately, it is God who works in you. That's the great news of the gospel. We come into the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has done the work. He'll continue the work, partnering with us as we trust him to finish it. Let's give Abel a hand this morning. So you gotta give God access to the job site. This mess is something that God needs to come and partner with you to clean up. You can't, you can't clean up your mess. 
So you need to invite God into the mess, give God access to the job site. Here's number four, you gotta do your part. You gotta do your part. I remember when Brandon came over to my house and we began this project, I was, I was new to this stuff. I could barely swing a hammer. Uh, in my house growing up, if we had projects that needed to be done, my dad called a guy. Like, that's just how it was. So I didn't know a whole lot about this. And so I was, uh, my skill level when it came to doing stuff was, was very limited. And, and Brandon recognized this early on. And so the projects he would give me to partner with him in doing this work, a lot of times it was pretty simple stuff. Like I had to take all the screws out of the subfloor one day so we could pull out all the subfloor. And then that night, my homework was to put all new screws in the subfloor, the new stuff that we put in. And, and I was the guy holding the, the shop vac while Brandon was sanding things down sometimes. And, and I was the guy taking out the trash and the garbage and going to the dump sometimes. And I'd bring Brandon a tool like I was just there. And sometimes these projects, I'll be honest, the work that I had to do felt a little small, a little insignificant but it was important. It was important to the project and it was important for my development and what God wanted to do. And what I want you to see this morning, Matthew 6, 15, look at this verse. It says, if you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. See, God's called you to be a part of this. And the part that he may be calling you to right now, because right now, because of where you're at, it may feel a little small and insignificant, but if you don't do that thing, you can't do the next thing. I remember hearing a, a much wiser man than me one day, someone was talking to him about, you know, being led by the voice of, of God. And they were saying, they're just waiting on God to tell them the next move. And he asked a question. He says, well, what's the last thing God told you to do? And did you obey that? Because if you didn't obey that, you can't move into the next thing. Like if you're going up, I feel like God's not talking to me. What's the last thing God said? And did you obey that? Because sometimes we want to jump a step. Well, I don't really like what God said there, so I'll just go to the next thing instead. And God's like, nope, stay right here. In, in the remodel project, if I didn't do those jobs, we couldn't move ahead. I had to do my part. So my question to you is, what's God saying to you? What's he asking you to do? Will you be willing to do what he's asking you to do? And recognize this, in this job that God's doing, as much as anything, he just wants to be with you in the project. He doesn't care if what you bring to it is not necessarily a ton of skill, a ton of ability. He just wants you in the middle of it with him. I remember years ago, we bought this dining room table that we had been desiring to have. We'd saved for it and, uh, and we ordered it and it got delivered to our house. And when it came, it was in a few pieces. And so I brought it into our dining room and I started kind of assembling it. Went out and got my tools, brought them in. Well, a few minutes later, my son Gus, who was three at the time, comes marching in and he has his little plastic handy manny tool set and he is ready to get to work on this project. You know, those little tools that play like, hola, you can fix it, like a little song. He's, that's, that's what he's bringing to the table. And so, you know, let's be honest, like at this point in his life, at his age, with that little cruddy tool set, he ain't bringing a lot, like literally to this table, is he? But you know what? As his father, I'm not looking down at him. I'm just excited that he wants to be a part of it. 
And so you know what I did? I, I found a little piece of cardboard from the boxes and I got some screws and I set it up where he could tighten up some little screws and he could beat on that box with his hammer and saw on that box. And, and while I'm over here assembling, actually putting together the table, he's over there doing this, his own little thing. And while I'm putting together the table, I look over at him every once in a while. I'm like, buddy, that's looking so good. You're doing such a great job. And then when we were done, uh, I called Sarah. I was like, hey, Sarah, come check it out. And she comes in the room and you know what she says? She sees us there with the table and she goes, guys, you guys did such a great job. And I didn't say, hold on, woman. Let's just make something clear. I did this. That dude didn't do squat. You know, that little cruddy box over there, that's all he did. Had nothing to do with this. This is my work. No, I didn't. I stood there. I was proud with him, and he was full of pride and excitement. In fact, we took a picture right after we got this done. This is that day. See? <laughs> Got our hammers. Look at the pride on his little face there. So excited about finishing up the job in his underoos. Man, I miss that little dude. Good night. Um, but here's what I want you to see. Sometimes we bring very little to the table. Like in the remodeling project that God wants to do in your life, you may not bring a whole lot to the table, but you know what? God doesn't really care. He just wants you there with him. And, and he's, you know what, too? He doesn't care if he gets all the glory. He's fine with people looking at your life and going, gosh, you've come so far. Look at what, look at where you're at now. It's incredible. What, it's amazing what's happened. God's not up in heaven going, whoa, whoa, they didn't do anything. I'm the one that did all this. No, no, no. He's, he's happy to share in the joy of what's going on in your life because he loves you. You are his child and he just wants you to be a part of this. So wherever you are today, whether you're brand new to this stuff, whether you're, you've been doing it a long time, wherever you are, just understand God loves you and he invites you into the work that he wants to do in your life. So do your part. What's your part? What's God telling you to do? Maybe for some of you, 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 you recognize like this is, this is a church I need to be a part of. And so what's your, what's your next step? Go to next steps. Come tonight. Quit, get, quit making excuses for why you can't go. Well, you know, there's a show on tonight. Okay, then you're gonna sit here in the same spot for another month until you go to this class. Because you can't move forward until you do what God's telling you to do. And if you feel like God's telling you to do this, you need to do it. Maybe God's telling you to get in a group so you can get transparent with other people and get connected with other believers in this thing called the body of Christ. Maybe God's telling you to, to go a little bit deeper in worship instead of standing there just holding a coffee cup watching you need to have a posture that says, oh, this is an opportunity to worship the Savior who died on the cross for my sins. Yes, Lord, you can have all of me. What's God saying to you? Will you do it? Will you do your part? If you'll do your part, God will keep moving you forward into the next part. Here's number five. Don't shut down the job site. Don't shut down the job site. Sometimes we have a tendency to shut down areas of our life where it feels a little messy, feels a little uncomfortable. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you. Where does he work? Where does he work? In you. Okay, so in all of us are areas that we're sometimes uncomfortable with. There's areas that not everybody knows about, and sometimes we don't want those areas to be exposed. And so the tendency is that we retreat from people, we retreat from the church, we retreat from God in areas where we feel a little messy a little shamed, a little dirty. And the problem with that is when we retreat in those areas, there's no work that can be done in those areas. Like imagine this, okay? Imagine that Brandon shows up at my house 
And I, I crack open the door and he's there to help me to continue the remodeling project. But I'm like, oh, hey man, um, you know what? Today's not a good day. Uh, last night, I had a bit of a rough night and I ended up taking a sledgehammer to some of the work that we've been doing. And I ripped out some of the plumbing and there's, there's a gusher going on in there right now. Water's everywhere. It's a huge mess and it's embarrassing. I don't want you to see this. You're probably gonna be mad at me if you come in here and look at this. So, so let me I'll tell you what, let me get all this cleaned up. Let me get all this fixed. Let me get this back to where it was before. And then once I get everything fixed, then I'll invite you into this. Well, here's the problem with that. I'm leaving outside the door the very person who actually has the ability to clean up and fix the mess that I've made. And this is what we do sometimes with the Lord. Like, we have these areas where we're, we, we've made a mess. We've done some stuff that's wrong. And, and we're like, God, I'll get this fixed and then I'll go to God. Then I'll invite God into that. Because if I invite him in now or I've invited him in, but then I messed up and I'm sure he's mad at me now. Listen, God's not mad at you. God's not mad at you. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. He loves you. He receives you right where you are, but he wants to help you because he knows there's more for you. But you have to... Be willing to, to invite him in, even to those areas that are sometimes painful, sometimes uncomfortable. The Bible says this in, in 1 John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write you this so that you may not sin. That's God's highest and best that you may not sin. But look at this. But if anybody does sin, and, and you're going to, even after you get saved, because your mind, will, and emotions are not, you haven't arrived at. There's going to be mistakes that you made. If you do sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our, say it with me defense. Who is it? Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't accusing you. Satan's the accuser. Jesus is your defender. He wants to defend you. He's going, when you mess up, he's going to God and saying, Hey, I know they messed up, but what I did on the cross is bigger than their mess up. That's who Jesus is. Bible says this in first John one nine, if we'll confess our sins that in order to confess something, you got to say it, you got to be willing to admit it. He's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from, everybody say it with me, all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness, if you confess. There's an if, if you confess. So we have to be willing to invite God into some of those areas, some of those messes. Don't, don't close up shop, don't shut down the job site. Just because there's a mess there doesn't mean you need to try to isolate yourself and, and keep those places closed. Where you stop the work, the work stops. So invite God in. Here's number six, enjoy the remodel. You know, God wants you to have a life that you enjoy. The gospel's good news, not good advice. God wants you to have a life you enjoy. You know, what was interesting was we were remodeling our house and you know, working on the kitchen and the, the cabinets and putting in new cabinets and putting in new floors and putting in a new bathtub and all these different things. Something interesting happened. I never once looked at that project and said, you know, I kind of liked it better before. Those old cabinets that look like, you know, Napoleon Dynamite's cabinets, those, those were, they had their moments. I mean, I couldn't put my pots in them, but you know, they still, there was something about that mildewy smell that you would get when you open them up. There was something about that, that wall that we took out. There was something about, you know, the house being a little bit more dark and a little bit more divided. I, I kind of miss those old days. No, that never happened. 
Why? Because the, the new was so much better than the old. It changed everything. In fact, it even changed my tolerance for the old. I wanted nothing to do with the old. This is the beauty of a remodel. When you get the remodel, you get new. And because you get new, you don't want the old. Listen, the longer I follow God, something incredible happens. My wanter changes. I don't want what I used to want. I don't desire those things that were wrong before like I used to. God changes my wanter. That's who God is. Look, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do. God's not just giving you a to-do list. He's giving you the will to do the to-do. He's changing you to where you want to do what he wants you to do. Uh, the Bible says this in, in Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. That verse, some have interpreted, interpreted it to think it's saying, you delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you what you want. It's not what you want, it's what to want. He'll change you. Notice it doesn't say delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your head. Why? Because your head doesn't know what you want. Look around the world. There's a lot of people that are trying to go after the desires of their head and they are unhappy because what you think you want is not what you really want. It's not gonna lead to peace and fulfillment and joy. But what God knows you want, what's in the, what he puts inside your heart that you then to begin to want, that will bring you joy. That will bring you peace. That will bring you fulfillment. So when you start following God, he'll change your want to. You want to do what he wants you to do. And listen, that's good news. The gospel is not, I have to live the rest of my life trying not to do what I want to do. That's not good news. That's bad news. The good news of the gospel is I'm going to change you to where you don't want to do what you used to want to do that hurt you and did damage to you. I'm going to change you, give you something new and beautiful and valuable so you'll see the old and you'll say, that's garbage. I don't want it anymore. Can I get an amen? amen. That's, there's joy in that. A life full of joy. That's what God has for you. This is a remodeling of your will where your will changes. Your will is now in alignment with the will of God. John 15, 11, that Jesus said, I, I've come that you may have joy and that your joy may be full. That's the life in Jesus. And here's number seven. God wants to remodel your life so you enjoy the remodel. But here's number seven, so you can share the remodel. So you can share this remodel. When you partner with God to remodel your life, you receive a life that's of great value. One of the things that was wonderful about this remodel is when it was done, I got to share it with my family. The work that was done in our home, I got to share it with Sarah and with Gus, who was our, our only child at the time. We, we got to now enjoy this new kitchen, cooking in a much better place than we have before eating in a much better place. We had a new open concept in our home that made our home flow much better. We had a new bathroom that we could enjoy being in and getting ready in and everything felt clean and fresh and new. We got to enjoy that. But you know what else? A few years later, we put that house on the market and we sold it. It sold for way, way more than we bought it for. Why? Because the work that was done in that house made it valuable to the world around us. In fact, I'd say this. At one point, when we bought that house, the weakest parts of that house were the kitchen and the bathroom. But when we sold that house, the strongest points of that house, what sold that house was the remodel of the kitchen and the bathroom. Oh my gosh, this is what God wants to do in you. Those areas of weakness, those ugly areas of your life, 
God wants to do a remodel project there. Right now you say, this is of no value. This is the part that the world goes, ooh, that's gross and that's ugly. God wants to do something so incredible that people go, that is what attracts me to you and your God, what God's done in that area of your life. And where you were once weak, now you become strong through Jesus Christ. And now that becomes your testimony. That becomes the the area that God's able to minister to this world through. Many of you know my testimony. In my early 20s, I was a mess. I was mean and ugly and I was full of sin and I had issues with lust and pornography. But God has remodeled my life. He's changed. I don't want to do that anymore. My want to's changed. At one point, I didn't think that was possible, but it's possible. God changed me. He renewed my mind. He renewed me on a soul level. I was saved, but I just had a mess inside. God remodeled that. And now, one of the beautiful things about this church is we have a strong men's ministry here, and we're helping men get out of the clutches of some of these same issues I once struggled with. And what was a weak point for me is becoming a strong point of our church. That's the work of Jesus Christ. That's how God does things. Yes. And this is at the heart of what this church is all about. I hope you know that. In fact, when for years and years and years, in my early 20s, I knew I was called to pastor a church. And for a long time, I would pray and I would ask God, like, God, what's the name of the church? Where's it going to be? When's it going to happen? And God was just silent. And the reason he was, so you know, and this is for some of you young people, is because he wanted me staying focused on where he had me. And he knew me. If I got too focused on the future, I wouldn't do what I was supposed to do in the moment. But there came a day, I remember driving down the road, and I used to pray this prayer all the time, God, what's the name of the church? Nothing. What's the name of the church? Nothing. And one day I was driving from Tulsa, Oklahoma to Dallas, back to Gateway Church, where I was pastoring at the time. And on my way there, I prayed a prayer that I prayed thousands of times before. God, what's the name of the church I'm going to pastor? And it was just the middle of nowhere, no music playing. I can still see it's my favorite time of the day. The sun is setting, the trees are silhouetting across these Oklahoma fields. God dropped it in my heart. He said, new song. And when he dropped it, he didn't just give me the name. He gave me the verse. He said, Psalm 40, which is, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined and heard my cry. He pulled me out. Where is it? He pulled me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. That was my story. That's a lot of your stories too. That's a story God wants you to have to pull you out of the mess and give you a stable life. Now look at this. He put a new song in my mouth. That's a testimony that you can share. Praise be to to Josh, right? Is that what it says? No. Praise be to God. Many will see it and will fear. Fear, remember, is reverence. They'll have a reverence and they'll put their trust in the Lord. You, you get how beautiful this is. God does a work in your life, pulling you out of your mess, establishing you in such a way that people look at your life and they say, I want your God. I want your God. You know God like I don't know God. I want what you have. That's what this church is all about, helping people know the God we serve, really come to know him. God wants to do that for you. The, the life God is inviting you to is a beautiful, incredible life that's of value to you, to your spouse, to your kids, to your workplace, to your school, wherever you find yourself, it's valuable to you and the world around you. If you will recognize the work needs to be done, invite God into it, keep God in your life, keep inviting him into it. 
Open your life up to anywhere there's darkness. Invite God into it and, and allow him to do something that's of joy for you and that's joy for the world around you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? I wanna encourage you, whatever you feel like God's saying to you this morning, to be willing to be a doer of the word. I believe God's calling some of us to do some stuff, to recognize there's some work that needs to be done. And maybe what you're recognizing today is there's a step that God's asking you to do and it's time to take that step, to really be willing to take that step and to trust God in it, to trust that he can do a work in you that's gonna be beautiful. I encourage you, whatever God's saying to you today, just obey him, be a doer of the word. And when you do, God will take you the next steps and step after step after step, he'll lead you. Lord, I just thank you for everybody here today. Lord, I thank you for the finished work of the cross that touches us in every aspect of our life. God, you came to bring salvation to our spirit, soul, and body. And I thank you that you help us to partner with you to work this out, God. There, there is a work to be done, but I thank you that you're the one pulling the heavy load. So we, we hitch ourselves up to your wagon when we trust ourselves and our life in your hands, God. And we thank you for what you're gonna do in Jesus' name. Amen. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and maybe you've never taken that first step, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and received that new spirit. Today, you're, you're on a spiritual level, you're dead. And God has made it possible through Jesus Christ for you to receive life to be born again, to be forgiven of your sins, to have your past erased in the eyes of God so that you can move into the life he has for you. If that's you today and you're not sure where you stand with God, maybe you wanna rededicate your life to God or maybe for the first time you're committing your life to Jesus. Wherever you are today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In church, since we're all in agreement, let's pray this together. Say, Father God, Father God. say it like you mean it. Father God, Father God. thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life in you. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my all. Be my Lord. Be my savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's give him a hand.